Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, it's not just a hugely important weekend of Test Rugby for the Southern Hemisphere nations looking to nail down their Rugby World Cup squads, but the North have their sleeves rolled up as well to get knee-deep into their preparations. Uh, the Summer Nations uh, series is in full swing this weekend with Wales hosting England. Scotland hosting France and Ireland welcoming Italy. You won't get a more important form line than the next few weeks of internationals with a particularly tasty clash between Ireland and England slated for the 20th of August in a couple of weeks' time. Andrew McKenna lives and breathes rugby in the North. He's the lead commentator for TalkSport and has been good enough to take a call to school us up in a huge year for the sport. Evening to you, Andrew, and thank you very much. Oh, absolute pleasure, Ian. Absolute pleasure. Right, we're very close. We're very, very close to, to the World Cup. You're closer, of course, to the location. What's the buzz like you feel this far out in terms of uh, the, the Rugby World Cup? It feels like we're now properly getting into it in the fact that the majority of the players obviously are just coming... Sorry, and I lost you there for a minute. Um, um, so, yeah, it, it feels like we're, we're sort of properly getting into it now. Uh, obviously, coming off the back of pre-season... Um, and, you know, the players having a break. They're now, what, five or six weeks into this. They've then got a four-week block of international games before we even start the World Cup that's going to run until mm. November. I mean, it's a tournament that's going to take a hell of a long time to get to the business part of it. Um, but as you said in the introduction, the, the fact that we've got some top-quality games... In fact, actually, Scotland started it off against Italy last weekend. Um so uh, everyone else joins in this weekend. It, it kind of feels like we're actually now at the, the proper building blocks of the start. Yeah, Scotland beating Italy uh, 25-13. OK, a uh, big one that you're involved in, in calling this weekend, of course, is uh, Wales and England, Andrew. And uh, all sorts of problems for um, Warren Gatland, of course, his uh, second stint uh, coaching Wales as such. And uh, he's got injuries, retirements, all sorts of things to deal with. What are you expecting from him in the next two to three weeks? Well, it's really interesting. Um, the Wales side that's been named, um, you really see how much experience has gone out of the door in the last few weeks. Um, they, they don't average many caps between them. And when you take out George North's 113 and Lee Halfpenny will make 100 for Wales this weekend, you take out those 200 plus caps. It actually takes the average of the starting 15 down to about 15 caps a man average. So you, you're really looking at um, a really young, inexperienced side. There are potentially five debutants for, for Warren Gatland this weekend. He's got a new captain. Um, in Jack Morgan, uh, he said actually that they might actually go with new captains and different captains for each of the three games. So it feels like Warren is still searching for form. Um, you'll be well aware that New Zealand named their squad on Monday. England are naming mm -hmm. their squad on Monday as well. Wales, their intention is not to name their squad 
They've got three warm-up games. The plan is to name it after the third game. So it feels like, actually, that these three games are, if you like, trial games, shootout games. And if you have a good run, because let's be honest, Wales are not in great form. If you have a good run over these next three weeks, you've got a chance of making it. There's a New Zealand name on the bench, and Tane Plumtree. Yes, absolutely. That is that is a real interesting one, isn't it? Not even played a game for the club that he's joining, but by all accounts, he's come in and dodged the jet lag during uh, the training camp in Turkey that they've had. And the coaching staff have said he's genuinely impressed over the last few weeks to the extent he is a genuine contender to be considered for the World Cup squad. So he, he's going to be coming off the bench, as you say. It's going to be really interesting to see how he goes. Um, I mean, look, as I've, as I've just said, anything is possible with this Welsh squad, that they are <laughs> quite a low ebb at the moment. So if anyone comes in and impresses, and the word is, as I say, he genuinely has impressed the coaching staff so far, he, he is not out of the equation to make it and go to France. England, from their point of view, uh, do have a wealth of experience, but still questions to answer there. In fact, of interest, uh, really, Andrew, is the starting number 10 for them. How are you viewing that? It's a great question, and it is the one imponderable. If we wind it back to when England were actually playing pretty well back in, um, uh, what, 18 months or so ago, maybe in a little bit more under Eddie Jones, it was George Ford at 10 with Owen Farrell at 12 now it seems to be farrell or ford as the starter marcus smith i think is pretty much the third choice but i'm not ruling out the option of farrell going back to 12 um the one thing is farrell has to play he was unbelievable for saracens winning the premiership last season he is he's just a big game animal so he will play the question is are they going to sort of nail it down and say, this is how we're going to go? Or will they mix it around depending on the opposition and actually what will work for them best? Um, we still don't know that, that we've had no hints out of Steve Borthwick so far. He will name the team uh, tomorrow, early, a- early tomorrow afternoon, UK time. So we'll get a bit of a clue, but I don't expect to see the first choice team for England, as I mentioned, they're naming their squad on Monday. So I think England, it might be a little bit of a experienced player in, say, uh, in the 10 shirt with a more inexperienced nine potentially or in the back row combination. I, th- I think it might be a fringe player paired up with a senior player. So it'll be interesting to see which way they go. Uh, Farrell is probably the best 10 that England have got. But they have struggled for creativity and fluidity. And the last time they had that, Ford was at 10 with Farrell at 12. Mm, okay, interesting. Uh, Ireland. Ireland is, is, um, is of interest to us because they, of course, they knocked us over down here um, in historical fashion last time around. Uh, we view them along with France as uh, the two teams to beat, I think, at this point anyway. Uh, but the, a lot of it's been clouded by the, the Johnny Sexton issues. Can you fill us in on the latest there? 
Well, the latest is he's obviously not playing yet. He caught that three-game ban for the incident at the end of the European Cup when he was injured and wasn't playing. And for anyone who hasn't seen it, he basically went and stalked the match officials um, in the post-match um, waiting for the presentation to happen out on the pitch and was just chirping them. They moved away, he followed, and he went and chirped them some more. Um, so World Rugby said, no, you can't do that. They gave him a three-week sit-down. Um, so he is going to have very little rugby going into the tournament. Do you know what? It might, Of any player who could cope with that, I think Johnny Sexton, with his experience, he probably could cope with that. And in a weird kind of way, Ireland playing without him, as they have for the last few weeks, Leinster at the back end of the season, as I say, because he was injured. <laughs> Would you have played that many games without Johnny Sexton if he was fit and available? Probably not. So actually, it's given other players more game time than they would have otherwise got. So do you know what? I actually think it might might work out in their favour. Um, what I can tell you is um, he looks in pretty decent nick. I was actually on holiday last week and out of pure fluke, literally bumped into him in an Indian restaurant. He was there with his family <laughs> and um, he looked he looks in pretty decent nick. I understand that it, the players were all sort of stood down for a week, but given individual training uh, patterns to follow. And uh, yeah, it, let, let's just say he, he still looks in decent physical shape. We spoke uh, yesterday, interestingly enough, to uh, John Eels, a legendary Australian, of course, and he didn't discount Scotland by any stretch of the imagination. How do you view Scotland? They're a good side. They really are a good side. I mean, if you get a chance to look at the team that they've named to play against France on Saturday, that is a phenomenally talented player, uh, player group. They've named Finn Russell as captain, which is... I mean, it's a pretty pretty out there call from Gregor Townsend because Finn Finn's not always been Gregor's favourite on the grounds that they've had had a few run-ins on disciplinary matters in the past about what exactly a curfew is, shall we put it like that? Um, so they, they've named Finn as the captain. They've got a really really good side. Um, the interesting one for me is is that they play. I think it's South Africa first up and then they get a 10 day break until their second game. I mean, they could almost come back to Scotland and do a mini training camp. So it means they can go absolutely full on into that first game and then have got some recovery time to go through the second part of the, the group. So I, I think they'll, they'll definitely take points and they will have a say if they don't make it through and, and don't become big contenders, they will have an effect on who does go through and who does actually get points. They, they're a real, one thing I'll say is they're a really good side to watch as well. They, you know, sometimes you, you know, you think, well, shall I, shall I flick on the TV for this one? Scotland games are worth watching. Of course, the, the unknown factor is uh, how the French will handle the pressure of being perhaps the number one seed and, of course, playing at home. How do you view that? Normally, I would agree that there is a bit of an issue there, but the French team are just playing so well at the moment. They have so many of the world's best players. 
they are going so deep winning european cups la rochelle have been absolutely magnificent i i think I think this time it actually works in their favour. I, I genuinely think that excitement, that buzz, they are... If Scotland are good to watch, France are amazing. If you if you gave me a ticket to watch a France game, I would travel from anywhere in the world to go and watch them. They are beautiful to watch at the moment. So I, I, I'm not saying that it won't have an impact, but I'd be really, really surprised if it did. And, and as we saw in the recent under 20 world cup i mean they ripped that apart down in south africa they were phenomenal so if they pick up any injuries you just parachute guys in who've been playing recently and mm -hmm. there's no difference in play they are they really are good we mentioned ireland earlier if if they're ever going to do anything on a world cup surely it has to be this group of players in this form but they're running into france who are absolutely magnificent at the moment. And, of course, uh, they have a very strong top 14 uh, competition that uh, they, they get this development from, they get this brilliance from, which leads me to uh, the question about um, English Premiership rugby now and the demise of a couple of clubs. Uh, I, I just wonder, Andrew, how you're viewing that, um, I would imagine, with a little bit of uh, consternation. Oh, it's horrendous. There's no other word for it. Absolutely horrendous. We managed to lose three teams in, in the last year and a bit. I mean, financially, the English game is in a huge, huge hole. Um, there are so many problems. And I guess the biggest worry is that we actually lost those three teams all for completely different reasons. It wasn't as if they all fell for the, for the same thing. Wasps had a, a bond. Uh, they'd taken out a, a loan when they moved to Coventry years ago. So they always knew that was on the, the horizon. They couldn't repay it. They couldn't refinance it. That cost them. Worcester um, basically got taken over by a couple of guys who turned out to be asset strippers. London Irish, uh, completely different again. They, they've been well run for years. The owner turned around and went, do you know what? I can't do this anymore. Was literally prepared to give it away. You didn't have to give him a penny. You just had to take over the finances of the club. And nobody, nobody showed an interest. So to me, the biggest concern is, is why would nobody show an interest? I mean, we're seeing sports clubs changing hands for hundreds of millions of dollars. In fact, wasn't it that the Washington Commanders NFL team were recently sold for six billion US dollars? Well, you could have bought London Irish, um, as I say, for nothing. And their whole debts were about £25 million. I think they were losing £4 million a year, which in sporting sense is absolutely nothing. So my, my real worry is what does it tell us that nobody was willing to put their hands in their pocket and pick up London Irish, one of the great entertaining sides in the Premiership at the moment. You go to watch London Irish, you're guaranteed to see 50 or 60 points. It's that entertaining. So that, to me, is a real alarm bell that, that makes us wonder, you know, <laughs> just what is the long term? There are still, there are still rumours going around, Ian, that there might be another club easily goes to the wall yet. So, uh, you know, we're the, by no means out of the water on this one. 
It's it's distressing. Uh, it's absolutely distressing, of course. And it would be for a number of um, players around the world uh, who are not English-based who look to get to uh, to England at some stage. I mean, there's a door just flatly closing in a hurry, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And to be brutally honest, there are players getting out as fast as they can. You've got guys heading to Japan. Freddie Burns, who, of course, was, was down with the Highlanders last year. He's He's gone back to Japan. Um, the biggest problem, say, if we, if we take London Irish, is the fact that they went bust at the end of last season. Well, pretty much everyone's got their recruitment done for this season already. They've already spent all of their money. So you've suddenly got a load of players trying to find a new club. And either the clubs are going to try and take advantage and go, well, look, we're really sorry. We've only got 20,000 bucks left in the kitty. Do you fancy coming and playing for that? So do you take of what is a pretty insulting offer but play? Or do you sit it out and say, well, actually, I'll wait till next year when the contract situation hopefully sorts itself out? And we'll we'll turn it around that way. The crazy thing in all of this, Ian, is they reduced the premiership salary cap to five million British pounds for a couple of years because things were getting tight. There are a couple of teams uh, lobbying to increase the salary cap back to six and a half million pounds. And that will go through because it would need every club to vote against it for it not to happen um oh. and these because say bristol bears they're owned by a billionaire and he says well i can support this why shouldn't i be allowed to spend what i like well the answer is because at this rate mate you'll be playing against yourself every week because people we know what we know what will happen if a salary cap is there whether you can spend it or not teams will try and find a way of getting one more player or one more whatever um, and at the moment, it's not sustainable. I know of two clubs this year who are going to be spending around three and a half million pounds when the cap is at five because they know they don't have the income to spend any more than that. Well, uh, just finally, Andrew, and I, again, I thank you for your time. Um, could an English Rugby World Cup win? I mean, the tournament being the champions, could it save it? Well, absolutely. And let's be brutally honest, we all think it's completely ridiculous that World Rugby did the draw three years ago. But if you're England at the moment, you've got to be absolutely licking your chops because let's be honest, their half of the draw is scandalously easy compared to the other half. Um, so realistically, quarterfinals should happen. Semi-finals absolutely is not out of the possibility. And then, of course, you're into... Well, the possibility of, you know, anything happening on the day in 80 minutes. You know, we saw back in, what was it, 2007, England were absolutely atrocious going into the World Cup. South Africa put 50-odd points on them in their opening game of the tournament. And somehow, England managed to turn it around and made the final. So, I mean, who's to say that, that something similar can't happen? It's been tough for Steve Borthwick taking over from Eddie Jones. And if we're honest, we've not seen much of a bounce from England as yet. So the, they have four games, unlike some of the other sides who are only playing three. England have four. Wales away and then home. Ireland away. And they finish up with Fiji at home um, before mm. they head off to France. 
So if they were to get some form going, I still don't think they'll win it. But the way the draw is, <laughs> if they can find some form, semi-finals is not beyond the realms of possibility for them. Andrew McKenna, been absolutely brilliant to, to talk to, to you and to get an update on uh, the situation over there, which, uh, from all accounts, uh, from uh, your knowledge and your background in the game, is quite concerning from England's point of view. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, certainly, uh, we, uh, we're primed down here. We're ready for it. So um, we'll look forward to perhaps catching up with you again uh, during the tournament. But thank you for your time. Anytime, Ian. Not a problem.